Hey, guess what? There is still more made in the trade to be had. There's still more things being made, and there's still more trades. Welcome. I'm Alan. Uh, I know it's been a while if you've been listening to us regularly. Uh, however, if you're new to us, well, I invite you to listen to all my old recordings. We've got so many recordings of other trades, and they're evergreen. You can listen to them any year, anytime. I try to keep them, um, you know, timeless. So we're recording an episode reviewing the Silver Surfer Parable. I'm joined with Jeremy. Hello. Jeremy's here. And uh, we've reviewed another Silver Surfer storyline with uh, an earlier episode, Silver Surfer Requiem. And uh, I just thought this would be a nice follow-up. And sometimes I just see stuff in the news and I say, this reminds me of a comic book storyline. So that kind of inspired me to invite Jeremy. And I, I think this might have been up his alley as well as other stuff we've reviewed. So we're going to find out right now, Jeremy, uh, upon recently finishing Parable, do you have any uh, thoughts and feelings overall on the story? Yes, I have some thoughts on Parable. I overall, I think I liked it, but mm-hmm. it was a little bit, I, I hate to use the term ham-handed, but it was it, okay. it hit me over the head very hard with its message. Yes. I, I, I can see and I that, and I, I do somewhat agree with you. Yes, go on. I think it, it effectively does what Stanley is trying to do, what he's trying to get across with the with the book. The problem is, it feels like it's a ten issue series in two issues. So you think they should have taken more time expanding yeah, upon like it, the, the message? Yeah, because it, it's very quick. Everything happens very quickly, and we don't really mm-hmm. get a chance to sit with the changes happening. Right. Um, it's I, I don't want to go into too much before we've kind of, we kind of summarize right. what it's about, but right, right, right. a lot of things happen very quickly, and it doesn't have the impact to me because it doesn't get a chance to um, mm-hmm. breathe. Right, and the resolution's very quick. It's abrupt. The ending is kind of abrupt. It, it, it's it's a like it almost needs I an epilogue. Really only know one. It 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 very much needs an epilogue, and there's only one mm-hmm. character whose motivations I understand. Silver Surfer Parable. It was actually originally released under just the title Silver Surfer. Uh, it was the second series with the title Silver Surfer, and then the third series Silver Surfer shortly came out after it, um, which eventually launched uh, a run maybe about two years after its opening with um, Jim Starlin, who eventually brought us the Infinity Gauntlet through that series. But this was um well for one thing it's stanley the creator of the co-creator of silver surfer and a uh, french artist uh goes by the the nickname or moniker mobius and they teamed up for this two issue limited series it's put together in a trade uh which you can pick up off the shelves or on amazon or see it collected in the marvel unlimited app um but what the story is in a nutshell is Galactus comes many years after his promise from his first appearance in Fantastic Four, which was the Silver Surfer vowed to um, basically 
become a prisoner of Earth in exchange for sparing Earth's existence. And Galactus agrees and takes off. He promises never to devour the Earth. Flash forward to this storyline where he comes back to Earth and technically doesn't go back on his promise, but he does implant the idea in the people of Earth, which is he speaking as a supreme being gives the people of Earth permission to do what they want, to fulfill their heart's desires, to ignore the the man-made laws and just kind of run amok. And the Silver Surfer is, you know, aghast at this. And eventually they have a physical confrontation. The Silver Surfer um, then questions why, why he would do this. And then... Uh, Galactus says, technically I did destroy the planet, but like he wanted to uh, basically feed on the planet um, while they celebrate him as a deity. So eventually when the human race turns on Galactus, Galactus realizes that he's no longer worshipped as a deity. He can no longer just feed on the planet at will. So he decides to leave and the Silver Surfer has some messages, morals, and meanings to divulge to the people of the Earth. And that's that's Silver Surfer Parable in a nutshell. Prologue, or I guess, a giant spaceship is spotted and mm-hmm. is is coming crashing down to Earth or, or coming to land on Earth. This, this is interesting to me because this takes place pre-Infinity Gauntlet or post-Infinity Gauntlet? Well, it's, it's essentially its own storyline. Like, figure it kind of is outside of continuity. This was released under Marvel's epic banner so it's almost like a standalone now yeah chronologically with marvel publishing this came out years maybe like three or four years before infinity gauntlet okay but it doesn't in any way tie in with that storyline that's one of the issues i may have had with it is that it felt like a very insular story despite there being a world shattering event that happens hmm you're saying if like that makes- Marvel has been through the Marvel universe, the Earth Marvel universe has gone through stuff like this before. Yeah, so the the giant spaceship lands and they say that riots break out and unrest because mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. so freaked out about seeing a giant spaceship. And to me it seems right. like in the Marvel universe that doesn't seem like the craziest thing that's ever happened. Uh-huh. But at the same time as you said Galactus is coming there having already made a promise. So we learn, we know that earth has already gone through something with Galactus. Right. So Galactus lands again and everyone goes crazy. Like they've never seen a giant space God. Mm-hmm. And you know that even in the context of the story, they have seen a giant space God. Right. And the silver surfer has defeated him before. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I've kind of and, felt that way too, where like everyone's like confused and like suddenly worshiping as a God. Whereas if you go back to, you know, in the, in the mid 1960s, when Galactus is first introduced, yeah, people panic. I mean, they freaked out that Galactus was visiting the planet, but like you'd think someone who would have written down or they would have watched some old news footage and be like, Oh, <laughs> that's that guy again. Okay. Where's the fantastic four anywhere? No, it's Galactus. Nowhere? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so that's 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 one of that's one of the things that occurred to me. It's like, well, and there we, is no other superhero by, in this. It's just the Silver Surfer, which I think is important for the story it's trying to tell. Right? If you have right. Reed Richards show up, 
it doesn't mm. really nail the point as hard. Correct. But yes. But the one of the hinge hinges of the story is that Galactus has been here before and made a promise. Right. So we're working under the assumption Galactus has already been here, and yet everybody's reacting like he's never been here. And that's what's funny mm-hmm. when it says there's like disbelief and fear, riots, civil civil breakdown. And you're like, oh, did this happen last time mm-hmm. that occurred, or the last time there was some cosmic threat? Yeah, I think this works better as a standalone story. Like, if you don't acknowledge the Marvel Universe continuity and just look at it as, oh, there's some history here, and you don't even really need to know the events of Fantastic Four or any of that stuff. It's just, they don't really go into detail as to what the promise was between Silver Surfer and Galactus or why it happened. It seems like Surfer does acknowledge there was a promise not to destroy the Earth. When that occurred and under the circumstances is really outside of this story and not really relevant. It's just, we know that he made a promise. Okay. Right. And so Surfer says a couple things that that I took note of. One of the things he says is, I walk among them, but always apart, which is something that the American psycho Patrick Bateman says, which is kind of funny when you think that... (laughs) Silver Surfer is, is sharing that same kind of worldview. Not worldview, but the same kind of like perspective that he's among humanity but apart from them. So, yeah, interesting because that movie came out like a good 10 or 12 years after this comic book was published. Yeah, and he's just, he, he has that kind of outsider feel to him, mm-hmm. right? They, they establish that early on is that the Silver Surfer is an outsider. I don't know why in the context of this story he's been shunned or he's choosing to live like that, but it's important, it's certainly with the climax of the story, that he is kind of an outsider that people haven't seen in a while. So so we're introduced to two important characters, uh, Colton and Elena. Colton, Candle, yeah, Candle, and and, and okay. Elena. Yeah, I just I just call him Candle. Uh, and, and his sister who we're introduced to mm-hmm. very quickly, and Candle immediately decides he's going to capitalize on this. Galactus lands, Candle doesn't waste a minute, and he says, mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm this guy's prophet, and we're going to make a bunch of money out of this, or I'm going to get a bunch of control out of this. They established that he's already an evangelist of some sort, and now he's got a new purpose. Because he's, he's, yeah, he's not a, a true man of faith, he's just a constant manipulator. Right, he he he's the kind of early '80s, late mid '80s, I should say, televangelist that got mm-hmm. so famous at the time. So it's it, it feels like it's riding directly on that, right? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he shifts focus and he says, "Galactus is now the god, and I'm going to capitalize on this, and we're going to make tons of money or whatever." Is he a recurring character? No, this is uh, unique to this story. That that was something I was curious about because I didn't know because at some point he does have like a supervillain layer, but I guess that's after he's already been Galactus's prophet for a little bit. And that's that's something also that occurred to me is that I don't get a great sense of time in these two issues. So you're just talking about the passing of time during the the story? Yeah, I'm never I'm never really sure how much time has has passed right mm-hmm. from when when he Galactus lands and lands. everyone goes nuts. Right, because everyone riots, and then the ship lands, and then Mm -hmm. Galactus steps out, and then everybody riots again. Right. And then Kandel starts preaching for Galactus, but I don't know that Galactus and Kandel are ever really in communication. No, they don't directly communicate at all. From from what it seems like to me, Kandel is just uh, capitalizing on this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Completely separate from Galactus. Galactus lands... 
Kandel decides he's going to try to use this to his advantage to get money, power, prestige. Right. And we don't even really see the Silver Surfer as a Silver Surfer until the last page or two of this trade. Or, yes. or the first issue, I should say. Um. So... So here's the thing. To sum up issue one, you have a disruption, a force, uh, a, a personality, a god, but something that gives people permission to do what they want, fulfill their heart's greatest desires. You know, they it's it is it is a powerful force and a force that people are susceptible to believing in because they like the way they feel as a result and um, it's just it's it's a very immediate uh, response to it, but it's it's just it's a very cult like following, um, and yeah, that I'll I'll get into it more later, but that's essentially what uh, issue one is. Uh, Galactus says, "I am come to set you free, free from guilt, free from worthless man made laws. If you would be saved, do what you will, take what you will. There is no wrong, there is no sin. Pleasure is all. So speak, Galactus." That's what he says to the people of Earth. And, and that's, I think that's everything Galactus says to the people of Earth. That might he be lands, true. Yeah. He steps out of his spaceship, he says that, and then mm-hmm. all hell breaks loose. Right, correct. Because C- people take him at his word. <laughs> mm-hmm. One thing I think is uh, interesting to bring up is at the end of the first issue, mm-hmm. Kandel, uh, the Silver Surfer, in his disguise, his like vagrant disguise, yeah. tries to a- approach Kandel and tell him the error of his ways like hey don't preach for this giant space god Mm -hmm, and and don't don't make things worth and don't incite these riots yeah and candel just you know dismisses him out of hand but lets his sister go speak to this vagrant and just Mm -hmm. walks away well i mean right he's just concerned with galactus he he doesn't even think that much about what his sister's doing at the time which i think is funny because he's got these guards he's got this whole setup and mm-hmm. his sister says, hey, I'm going to stay on the roof and talk to this vagrant by your helicopter. And he's just like, OK, bye. Mm-hmm. OK, see you later. And his sister gets, you know, gets her mind changed by the Silver Surfer in that, you know, mm-hmm. little five minute gap. Um, and issue two, things start to uh, devolve even more so. That's when Silver Surfer confronts Galactus himself. And Galactus is like, no, I do what I want. Uh, you, you still see this fanaticism of people's loyalty towards Galactus. And when Silver Surfer speaks out against Galactus, people turn on the Silver Surfer. They don't appreciate that he's trying to save them. They just want what they want. And they're worshiping their, quote, God. And then the government starts to get involved. They, they start to confront uh, Candle. Government representatives get shot and killed by uh, Candle's people. The One of the guards, I think, shoots uh, Candle's sister because they're trying to stop her from confronting Galactus in a helicopter. And then eventually Galactus kills her in the uh, helicopter. And Silver Surfer was unable to save her because uh, Galactus impeded his ability to save her. And that's kind of like where where Candle makes his turn on what's right and wrong. That stuck out to me. At the point when his sister dies, he flips on Galactus. Right. 
and he like prays basically implores Galactus to like save my sister, don't kill my sister. Mm-hmm. Yet they've never once been in c- contact, and right. from the beginning, Candel has been doing this purely for profit. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that he he loses his mind and he goes, how could Galactus let this happen? As if he had ever been a true believer, which he never seems to be. Yeah, it is weird. You, you know, he's been it, capitalizing like, on this. Well, and like he was making these meditations where he's trying to telepathically communicate to Galactus. It's like, did he start off as an evangelist who was trying to manipulate people? Or was he always a man of faith and then his faith just switched? Or did he not have faith in what he was evangelizing before? And now Galactus made him into a true believer. It, it, it is kind yeah, of hard to say. And that's why I think that it really should have... This this could have been a 10-issue or a 6-issue whatever series. Mm-hmm. Because those kind of things I, I get hung up on. Because I'm right. trying to like see their characters and what motivates mm-hmm. this guy. Mm-hmm. And so he gets to a point where I go, okay, he's he's the huckster, right? Right. He's the guy that's trying to use this to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And then at some point he becomes enough of a true believer that he starts imploring Galactus, don't kill my sister. It's like, you've never spoken to this guy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's as if somebody becomes a televangelist having never spoken to the almighty. And then when the almighty doesn't serve him, he goes, well, how could God do this? It's like, well, you, you've always been a huckster. Yeah, I guess, yeah, there is a question of, is there a point where his ego gets so inflated that he does think he's on a similar level to this power that he's representing? Because with all these people following him, answering to him, uh, calling him a, a conduit to Galactus, maybe he believes his own hype, which can be human nature. People get to a point of celebrity where they do elevate themselves beyond where they were when this whole thing started. Where he at a point where he actually thinks he's communing with Galactus. Right. Because because people are treating him like he's communing with Galactus. Mm-hmm. But it's not explicit as to where where he changes from what you say, the huckster, into a believer and someone who really thinks he is connected to that. Yeah, that broadsided me in the story when he's suddenly screaming about how Galactus has betrayed him or how could Galactus let this happen. I'm like, wait, this guy? Mm-hmm. This guy's been using it to using it just to make money or right. just to empower himself. Right. It could have more been So that was kind one of, of a, his a shocking of, turn. Yeah, one of his followers would make more sense because they were the actual men of faith. They were the true believers, right? Right. He, he was just doing this to aggrandize himself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And his 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 sister gets swayed by the Silver Surfer, but as the story goes on, his sister seems like she can be swayed by a stiff breeze. Like <laughs> she's kind of right. all over the place. Uh huh. Um, and she, I think the second issue starts off with her talking to the Silver Surfer, or kind of reasoning things out and that's when the surfer says it's as usual he makes it all about himself which is as you know the the silver surfer stuff you recommended to me that's part of his mo he he says like a world that has turned on me Mm -hmm. like so he implies that at some point he's been cast out Mm -hmm. and now he's going to come back right and i don't know like again i i don't know the context of that but the the earth that they show in this two comic series like doesn't really look like it's worth saving, which I think is another detriment to the book. It could have used some scale to show that 
good people, people questioning this. Because what happens is it lands in the city and everybody immediately loses their minds. Candle's sister is kind of the the one beacon that shows you like some people do have a, a conscience. Like they, they understand something that's wrong with what's going on. Yeah, and it may have been outside of the scope of the of of these particular issues when they were writing it, but it, it's it's worth seeing the riots and what is what is lost in them. Mm-hmm. Right, you see good people trying to stop it, mm-hmm. and they get overrun. Yes, you you want to see that the, the dichotomy in people because if you don't, then it just seems like everybody is a wild mob. Right. And and while that's happening, Surfer says a bunch of very Christ-like things, which is, Correct. I think, where the parable comes in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says, at, at one point, Surfer says, have they forgotten the greatest power is love? And I went, huh, that's an interesting thing for the Silver Surfer to say. One, mm-hmm. because the Silver Surfer takes every opportunity to tell you that the greatest power is his own power cosmic. But Correct. I digress. That's, that's mm-hmm. a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there, it gets into it like some very heavy Christian symbolism. Right, yes. Right, Silver Surfer is there with his arms out saying mm-hmm. they know not what they do. Correct. And I stopped at that panel. I was like, oh, they're going full blast here. <laughs> they're not being subtle. They are not being subtle. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I noticed that too. And I was like, it's interesting because I know Stan Lee to be born Jewish. Um, he married a Catholic woman. So I'm not entirely sure, you know, where he was going with that. Um or how much the artist had influence on the direction of the story. You know, or just the fact that, um, you know, just because you're born into a religion doesn't mean that's what you maintain. I don't know what he was practicing at the time or what his thoughts and feelings were. Or just that, you know, if he looked at it from a more atheistic point of view, that he loved the story of Jesus, you know, and just wanted to make that an allegory within his story. I don't know. But yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely overt, the, the Christian... The Jesus uh, parallels, which which I didn't I didn't have a problem with. It just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. A story about Silver Surfer and Galactus, right? Because when the Surfer says the greatest power is love, I'm like, huh, that's an interesting take. And then a few pages later, he's he's in the cross stance, saying they know not what they do, and I just went, oh wow, okay. right. Well, and I think before this story, there were other uh, allegories to. Jesus in his storyline and and allegories to what he said, which was the greatest power is love. For example, his origin story, which was how he became the Silver Surfer in the first place, was described um, as he makes a sacrifice for his personal freedom. He says, I will become your servant if you spare my home planet of Zen Law in order to spare not only the people of his planet, but his personal love, Shalabal. And so he's forever flying around the universe and then he finds Earth, and then he's like, this seems like a good enough plan to, de- de- to devour. And then he finds out that there's intelligent life, and then is emotionally touched by Alicia Masters, who is a very sensitive blind woman in the Fantastic Four storyline, girlfriend of uh, the Thing. And he realizes that the Earth is worth saving, so he makes the another plea to Galactus that he will sacrifice his freedom to... Uh, remain on the earth, no longer allowed to soar amongst the stars or ever return to his home of uh, Zen La. And so Galactus agrees and takes off. But these are both personal sacrifices you do to save an entire planet. 
and they are all right based in love as well. And so when you have one person sacrificing themselves for the quote world, uh, you know, many writers will make that allegory of, okay, so, you know, God so loved the world. He gave his only son, uh, very similar, uh, themes there. So I think that's where, where we're getting that here as well. I mean, also, they, they created Marvel's Devil in the pages of the Silver Surfer. The Silver Surfer was the first arch nemesis of Mephisto in the pages of Marvel Comics. Okay, so there's a precedent there of, of Silver Surfer being this sort of Christ-like figure in the Marvel Universe, yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to criticize things about this book because I know that that's not the message. Okay. Right? And I, but, but there is part of me that gets hung up in the, the, the nuts and bolts of the story. So when you say the message, do you mean, is this specifically supposed to point out, hey, these are the, the, the rise and fall, the, the, the shortcomings and benefits to religion? Or what, what do you want specifics to? The character's motivation. I don't really understand Galactus's motivation. I don't really understand the Silver Surfer's motivation outside of he's trying to save the Earth. Okay. The the. the I certainly don't understand the people's motivations because we don't really see a we, we don't see a smaller personal picture of anybody. Mm, okay. Right? We don't see somebody who's going through this. We just kind of see it from Candel, the surfer, and Galactus. Those are the three like points of view we get, sort of. Right. Yeah. The only when I said earlier, the only motivation I understand is I understand Candel's motivation. Mm-hmm. He's a profiteer and mm-hmm. he's this is his this is his chance and he's gonna say i'm the herald of galactus before anybody else does right or i'm the prophet of galactus prophet. before yeah, anyone correct. else does uh-huh, uh-huh. so i kind of get his character until it it gets strange at the end when he decides that he really is communing with galactus or whatever but right I, like i said i don't want to i don't want to harp on the little tiny things but that's what pulled me out of the story is i had a bunch like when Silver Surfer and Galactus started fighting. It seemed unprovoked, like they were having a conversation, and then at some point, Galactus says, um, "I forget." Uh, oh, at one point, Galactus says, "If you must die, that I may live," and just starts shooting lasers at Silver Surfer. And it's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they were having a debate about, I, you know, you swore never to come back here, and he said, "No, I swore never to destroy it." I didn't say mm-hmm. they wouldn't destroy themselves. Like they're getting into an interesting philosophical, philosophical I, yeah, argument. I, I think, yeah, I think th- at the end of the day, if the people do destroy themselves, meaning like they just wipe themselves out of existence because of this looting and robbing and murdering and doing self selfish behavior, if there's no human society, who is he promising to spare? They've wiped themselves out of existence. Great. Now I can eat earth. Yeah, he's he's doing this so he can eat Earth. He's basically yeah. capitalizing on a loophole. Yes, in the promise he made to the Silver Correct. Surfer. Correct. That is exactly what this is all about. Yes, which I think is a is is potentially more interesting. Mm-hmm. That you know what I mean. That Galactus mm-hmm. is playing playing like the court system, so to speak, to right. come and eat Earth. Yes. Yes. Like, that's fascinating. So when he just suddenly says, well, you'll have to die now and start shooting lasers at Surfer, you're like, wait, can we get back to the the, the, the meat of what was happening here? Right. 
Yeah, I think. And then they just. Okay, so you're saying there could have been more expounding upon this great debate versus just shooting each other with cosmic rays. Yeah, that's when it kind of breaks down to me, because Mm -hmm. then they start saying stuff that to me sounds like your typical comic fair. And I think that the story is more than that. And not to yeah. demean typical comic fare, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, like yeah. The, then the then the Green Goblin shows up and pumpkin bombs it to hell, right? Right, right. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Because they start saying stuff to each other that doesn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. Silver Surfer says to Galactus, you dare speak of insolence, you who would shatter a world. And you're like, well, that's what Galactus does for lunch. So, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Surfer, he would speak of insolence because you tried to shoot him and he created you. Like, it just doesn't, it gets hokey. And it, it's yeah. hard to mix that with very, like, like parables to Christianity and divinity. And you know what I mean? They're talking about mm-hmm. some very heady subjects. And then we shift focus to the action and them yelling one-liners at each other. Right. It was just hard to bring that together for me. Mm -hmm. I I see where you're coming from. The surfer is going to explicitly say his his feelings here. I mean, like he's like, I I have a very strong belief in in what I believe in. And Galactus is looking at it from a power point of view. It's like, I am a supreme being. You are being insolent. And, And surfer's like, no, I have the moral high ground here. I don't kill people indiscriminately. So it's interesting where one has a moral high ground and the other one has a power high ground. Yeah, Galactus doesn't, he, in fact, I think he says a few times in the comic that he doesn't care about these things. Like morals don't right. matter to him because right, he's a right. god. Or yeah, they're just, they're just is, arguing right? two different debates here. Yeah, which again is fascinating to me. That's an mm-hmm. interesting debate. Right. And I would love, love to have more of that and kind of had that looked at more deeply. Mm-hmm. Because, it, like I said, it does feel like there's just big chunks of it edited out. But because at the end of the day, Candles... they can both agree that Galactus has found a loophole. If there is no human race, where's the promise? That's a great point. So at that point, is Silver Surfer, he's getting involved because he wants to save humanity. Right. Because he finds life precious. And I think that's another thing, purely in the 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 context of this arc or this series, mm-hmm. we needed to see that. I yeah. mean, we're human beings. We know mm-hmm. that life is precious, hopefully. Right. But we need to see that, I think, reflected in the page. And it's only in the very end of the book where you start to see, like, somebody's house and a family seeing it on TV and discussing it. And I think those little slice of life things are, would be important for, to kind of show me the message what the surfer the story. is fighting for. Yeah, no, I think you're making a good yeah. point. Now, far be it from me to change what Stan Lee thought in this story. But I mm-hmm. feel like the action should have started when... Reagan calls the airstrike and I only assume it's Reagan because of the way they drew him but there's a point in the (laughs) comic where the American government gets involved and fires rockets at Galactus well that's the it's it's not until Galactus starts getting fired upon by humans that he realizes oh they no longer deify me I guess my work here is done I'm gone like that's that was the point that Galactus is like because he's the human race isn't going to overpower Galactus he just was like oh I right. guess my loophole is no longer going to work because they're not going to kill each other. They're going to try to kill me. Maybe that's the that that's the inconsistency I felt because mm. when Surfer and Galactus start fighting, it doesn't feel like there's a reason for them to start fighting. And then when they when the 
president orders an airstrike on Galactus, that's when he leaves. Right. So maybe that's why the story didn't land as well for me. Because I'm like, I want the humans to be the ones that cause Galactus and Surfer to start fighting. Okay. Or because the humans are the sense. flawed represent the, the humans are the flawed character in this. In the story, right? Yeah, yeah. It just seems like it was out of sequence for me. And maybe that's right. because I want a familiar trope. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's what I'm looking for. Is like I want them to shoot and then Silver Surfer go, wait, no, and then Galactus starts fighting. <laughs> and maybe that's what he didn't want to do. Maybe he's subverting that, right? Which Yeah, I mean, the Silver Surfer made his attempts to win favor with the human race, you know, to warn people of how evil and manipulative Galactus was. They weren't buying it. And so the story progresses, Surfer and Galactus throw down, and then eventually people in the government in particular, and the the cult leader, realize that Galactus is uh, a false god, and they're going to turn on him because they don't think he's making the world a better place. Yes, that is what uh, we talked a little bit about earlier, and that's what I found fascinating, is that when Candle says it is Galactus who sinned, Mm-hmm. Right when he sees his sister get killed, so when when something of his, so to speak, right, is lost because of the chaos that Galactus has brought, mm-hmm. he suddenly he he does his one eighty right there, right, because he sees something precious to him died, despite the fact we never really see his sister shown as precious to him. He just dismisses her all the time. Galactus doesn't know who Colton Candell is, right? Correct. And yet he's speaking as if Galactus somehow betrayed him. The, the parallels in this story towards our country mm-hmm. in, in the last couple of years. Yes, correct. Because there's there, there's certainly some overlap. Yes. Yeah, and again, this was written in like 88 or, you know, in the 1980s, and yeah, Reagan was president back then, but uh, now, and I, I didn't want to be too divisive, because I know once you pick a side, you're going to lose half your audience, but um, y- there's fanaticism in, in our, our country upon recording this uh, big time. Okay, so we re- we're recording this in the year 2021, we're hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic, but with a year of quarantining, social distancing, um, and people just being married to social media and and news media, people have been, no small terms, losing their minds. Um, and they've yes. been digging down in their divisiveness. And if you're on the right, you've been getting angry at um, there being too much uh, attention for racial relations and racial riots. And if you're on the left, you've been outraged at the loyalty to President Trump. A lot of it is human nature, and I, I felt it interesting that you had these archetypes in this storyline that was written, you know, over 30 years ago. So, yeah, I wanted to, to revisit that and, and see how how that held up. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, not speaking directly about anything that's currently happening, it certainly shows that we have the capability, hum- humanity, that... Uh, to kind of react like they did in this comic book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, not saying one side versus another or whoever, but we've seen in the last year, like you said, of the pandemic, that people certainly have this in them Yeah, to kind of get ginned up and go crazy. Mm-hmm. 
at, at the smallest provocation. It, right. it, if I would have read this comic two years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago, you go, wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Exactly. And now you look at it and go, and you go, oh man, he wasn't too far off. And no. I don't know because I, I was much younger, obviously, but mm-hmm. it, it could be that 1988 was a very similar divisive year that I may just not remember. Like, I wonder if this is tied to that particular time and it just happens to apply again now. Yeah. And I was figuring contextually, like what was influencing this? Like what were the, you know, d- I mean, people were divided over the Iran-Contra hearing. They were divided over the President Reagan. You know, some people adored Reagan. Some people couldn't stand him. Um, you know, and 88 was an election year. And it was a question of do we change course or do we continue on with the vice president? Um, so it was interesting what was influencing stuff there and also religious fanaticism. I mean, you had evangelist um, Jimmy Swaggart, Jim um, Baker. Jim Baker, like they were in the news for going, uh, you know, abusing their positions, um, violating oh, yeah, a lot of scandals, people. Yeah, a lot, the scandals were coming out in the late 80s. And this was definitely influenced by that. But at the end of the day, the reason why something that happened 30 plus years ago holds up today is because it's always people. I mean, you read stories in the Bible, you know, that hold up today because people are people human nature, things like egos and stuff like that is people fall in line to a certain behavior because of the way our brains are wired. We have not changed our brain wiring in millennia. It's just the same. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the strongest part of this story. Certainly is that, you know, I can be pedantic and, and get on the little like character things. And I wish I would have seen more of this and I wish this character would have acted like that and this didn't make sense. But ultimately, pointing out our human nature, and Mm -hmm. I think maybe I have not always been privy to it, right? You don't Mm -hmm. realize it until it happens in your time, so to speak. Right, right. It's easy to say, can you imagine living through, you know, the late 60s? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, 1988 when the story was written. Or like you said, 2000 some years ago when... Mm -hmm you know, a, a burgeoning Christianity was happening. And the, you yeah. know what I mean? The, yeah. This human nature, we're only seeing it historically and that doesn't really land. Whereas now for the last couple of years, we've got to see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. We've got to see it from more angles than anybody in history because we're all carrying around a multimedia device in our pocket. Right. That 24 hours a day fires news headlines to us that make us mm-hmm. more uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right. So, So it's interesting to see these these feelings in 1988 coming from Stan Lee and Mobius. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you can just keep going back and see examples of it. But until you've lived through it, it's hard to put a finger on it. So if I would have read Parable a decade ago, I would have said, ah, it was kind of poorly written and it was some clumsy Jesus metaphors and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now you read it and you go, oh, wow. Yeah. This is very applicable to right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the so you know Stanley was writing comic books in the '60s, and you had cults of personality, MLK, Malcolm X, JFK, um, you know, and they had their their fan followings, and you know they got killed <laughs> on top of everything. Right. Yeah, it, and and you know he's he comes from a Jewish background, so like World War II is particularly sensitive to him and his family. He served in World War II, so it's. So you have a cult of personality in Germany that happened starting World War II. 
all these things contributed to this story we're reading. And again, human nature is human nature. When people look at Nazi Germany, it's like, okay, they did that because they're German. It's like, that's that. You, then you've totally lost sight of the lesson learned from Nazi Germany. Right, you've missed the point. It had yeah. nothing to do with the fact that they were born in Germany. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, Germans are just, you know, classically anti-Semites. It's like, well, well slow down. <laughs> they had their reasonings, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, like, I think a lot of times people don't look into the reasonings behind um, something like Nazism. And, and and think, okay, so if there's a logical progression here, realize that a logical progression can make any human being be fanatical. Right. And I think it, it's someone like Stanley of Jewish background certainly is maybe a little more familiar with how dark humanity can get, mm-hmm. right? Living through World War II and yeah. seeing kind of what's, you know... <laughs> I, I don't want to get into such heavy subjects when we're talking yeah. about parable, but he he got to see the, the the capacity for human evil. Right. So it's it's probably easier for him to write a story where something happens, a spaceship lands, and people immediately go crazy because he's seen people go crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. People go crazy aimed at him. Right. Or his culture, his religion, mm-hmm. his background, friends, family. Right. Co-workers, like they've they've all got stories, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's it's easy to to just label something. Okay, this is racist, therefore it's wrong. And of course, racism is wrong. But like, people have their own justifications for why they think and behave in racist ways. And when you can justify evil right it's like okay i would never do this unless you know and you have that line that you draw it's like okay right really consider that line like maybe you shouldn't have a line maybe there shouldn't be any circumstances where you would wish harm on another human being So I think I've I think I've talked myself out of some of my criticism of this book from the beginning. <laughs> this was why I recommended it, you know, because yeah. it, it applied to stuff that we're experiencing in our lives. We're seeing in the news. We're seeing on social media, just the way people talk to each other, you know. And there's a variety of things that are influencing it. Um, we're we're not in present company with most of our society. When we are in present company, our nose and mouths are covered. There's a lot of dehumanization going on here. And so we're seeing just so much fanaticism and like people like wanting to literally kill people in our society, people that they don't even know just because they might be on the wrong side of a given issue. And it's it is concerning. Very, very scary time to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to bring the podcast down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that's where we're recording at this time. And I, I, I know I started this podcast and saying like these are recordings that are supposed to be evergreen. Um, and hopefully these concerns uh, aren't forever. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully these concerns aren't evergreen that we're yes. talking about right now. But but in talking about this book, I think this is important. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we were just going to look at Parable as a comic story and not try to attach it to the time we're living in yeah then my criticisms all come bubbling back to the surface and i go yeah, well right. it's badly paced it mm-hmm. was very rushed i didn't mm-hmm. understand why people were doing things you it's know what unrealistic. i mean that's not what this 
it's unrealistic. We mm-hmm. should talk about the end where the mm-hmm. Silver Surfer's plan to get humanity to mm-hmm. not worship some god is to yeah. appoint himself as the god for five minutes. Right. And say that he wants a bunch of unreasonable stuff, and then they mm-hmm. go kill him, and yeah. they kick him out. Yes. Yeah, because they start worshiping the Silver Surfer, and he's like, okay, give me 30% of your money, and I'm going to be the first and last person that dictates anything that goes on in this world. And basically, he's robbing people of freedom. And they're like, what? No, forget this guy. Never mind. Yeah, and they liked what Galactus was promising, which is, hey, do whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a a devil message. It's a Hitler message. Um, you know, it's it's right. any cult of personality that's like, remember all those things you were angry about? Well, you were right. And also, I'm going to say it's right for you to do whatever the heck you want. And like, I like this guy. Do what do what your desires are telling you to do. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's the message is, well, no, if you feel it, it must be right. So do it. Mm-hmm. And that's <laughs> a, a very dangerous message for sure to 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 put out without any qualifications on it right <laughs> there's there's no governor on that yeah there's not hey do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else like he mm-hmm. doesn't put that message right galactus doesn't no. put that all important caveat at the end <laughs> right right do anything you want whenever you want is provided it doesn't step on anybody else yeah. well and it's there by design right like that was his whole point of course he's not going to say that right because galactus is just trying to have dinner mm-hmm <laughs> so he wants the ants on Earth to destroy themselves so he can just eat. It was all about Galactus and his own needs and desires. He didn't believe right. in the cause he was pushing forward. He was just like, I don't care if you kill each Actually, I do care if you kill each other. I want you to kill each other. Yeah, I'm trying to get a loophole so that I can just eat your planet and leave, regardless of anything else, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's And it's funny because he says many times in the issue that he's just, he's above all of this. Mm-hmm. He's above all of the arguments he's having with the surfer. He's above people's wants and needs and desires like right. i'm just here to eat you know and i know we're we're definitely tap dancing around president trump here but um there also have been people on the other side saying there's too much deification of anthony fauci um that people of his ilk are just getting off on telling people what to do um and that they're quote un- abusing their power they're they're you know talking about you know are, are some of these steps necessary in in controlling this pandemic and I'm not trying to take a particular side in this podcast, but I do want to point out, it is interesting to see that uh, the silver surfer parable can apply to whatever quote unquote cause you don't believe in. Yes. And it's, you know, when you get to the end of it, it's a very cynical comic book. You know, there's a lot of very lofty, beautiful, you know, the, the true power is love and all this kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's in the comic book, but if you when you cut past to it, the end of the comic book is a very cynical take on human nature. Which yeah, is, saying that we humans don't deserve to be saved. Humans don't deserve to be saved, and that we're looking for those cults of personality to kind of rally around. Yeah, and right because the mean, only way out of it is for Surfer to become one of those things. Like that's right. what you know. So wh- whoever it might be on whatever side of the aisle, mm-hmm. the, the book is saying, "Hey, we're going to gravitate towards somebody." Yeah. And I and, I know it's cynical, but that's how that's my mentality right now. I think that that is totally accurate. We are typically, I mean maybe not you and I in particular, but like as a total society, we do want someone to swoop in and save the day. We're tired of the problems we're we're suffering through right now. 
It's like, who's going to save us? We are looking for a, quote, savior. And and I think we're looking for a savior that we just want to feel better, right? Yeah. Because I think once you get to a certain point in your life, you realize that none of these people who promise anything are actually delivering it. Right. They're just making you feel better for that season of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you go, okay, well, you make a great now point. I feel safe. You you make an absolutely great point. Yeah, feeling safe, which is what a catchphrase that's been for the last year. Who feels safe? Who feels uncomfortable? But yeah, like real safety and and these feelings, they come from within. And Silver Surfer says right. that. He says it comes from within. Like you want to feel loved. You want to feel safe. You want to change your destiny. That comes from you. No one gives that to you. So there will never be a condition if you were in this state of mind where you feel comfortable until you make the choice to feel comfortable. Yeah, that's very true. And, and you know, it's funny. It's it, it took me discussing this with you to kind of pull mine more of more out of this book. <laughs> well, that's the point of these podcasts, right? Yeah, because I certainly came in with a, a a notion about this, which was just like, hey, this turns into a mess about halfway through, mm-hmm. and I don't really get what's going on. But when mm-hmm. you kind of dig a little deeper, like yeah. that's the message of this, right? Is like, mm-hmm. hey. You better fi- you better find that 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 comfort that contentment mm-hmm. in yourself because you're yeah. not going to find it. You're certainly not going to find it from talking heads on television or from earthly political leaders, uh, right? Religious leaders. Yeah, and certainly no. that was a much bigger problem in the '80s with your Jimmy Swaggers and. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like you know, and, and I'm personally a Christian, and you know, someone who takes a message that is is quite pure. And it's all about love and like the best aspects of of human nature and, and such, just perverting it and abusing it. You know, it's it's such a vile thing to do. It, it's a vile thing, and it's a very easy thing to do. Which because I think people is are what susceptible. You've got you've got people right. that gravitate are susceptible to being manipulated, um, but you're not susceptible to. And I'm going to go into to Christianity if you understand the source. And if you understand the intent of the the preachings of Jesus, then it is less easy to manipulate you into anger and hate. Because if you are manipulated into anger and hate, like I like to say, then you're doing it wrong. Dehumanizing people, vilifying people, vilifying people you don't agree with politically, like that's what's tearing our country and probably the whole world apart. Like people are just hating their fellow man because they're not in their uh, tribe, so to speak. I think we're most vulnerable. We as people are most mm-hmm. vulnerable on that search, mm. right? We're trying to find that whatever, you know, we're trying to find that peace mm-hmm. is when you're at your most vulnerable because you're looking for the answer. So right. if the answer shows up as a person preaching aggression, Mm-hmm. or preaching selfish things mm-hmm. y- it's easy to fall into that because yeah. you're you're actively looking for an answer it, it keys in on something you've been prevalently feeling yes i've been angry oh this guy agrees with my anger i'll gravitate towards that oh he, he feels the same way i do and he's angry about it and it's mm-hmm. okay that i'm angry yeah it's it's right. it's what we've been yeah. reading right it's galactus telling people to do whatever you want All right. Well, well let's I guess talk this I to guess death. I guess Stan Lee wasn't. <laughs> I was about to say I, I guess Stan Lee wasn't just a 
I guess he was actually pretty good at what he did, huh? Yeah, uh, after reading this, I I have a newfound respect for him. I know, like, a lot of his opponents, like, they say he was kind of a a no-talent hack writer, um, you know, and giving all of his um, credit to his uh, artists and such. But uh, not only did uh, Stan Lee have a great talent for finding talent, um, but I also think he had some soul behind a lot of his writing that... um, Sometimes his opponents don't give him enough credit for. No, and I think uh, I'm a great example in in this, is that I came into it kind of seeing the hokey stuff on the surface, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you insolent knave and fire Mm -hmm. your lasers and all the kind of hokey argument they have during the fight. And you go, well, yeah, but when you you kind of move that aside a little bit, Mm -hmm. there's a very rich story underneath. But you can can easily get swept away in the silliness of, you know, yelling one-liners while they shoot lasers. Yeah, no, again, I, I would recommend this to anyone. And like, you know, Jeremy's caveats, like take it with a grain of salt. This is a comic book. This is Stan Lee. And there are some lasers coming out of some hands here. But... Uh, I do think the message is important to uh, observe these days. And uh, I would warn anyone out there, if they are hearing some messages uh, about, you know, a a cause to follow, please make sure it is a cause of love and peace. um, Because otherwise, we've got enough demonization in this world dividing us apart. And and let's just try to find a way to love people. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you out there for listening to us wax uh, somewhat intellectual about a comic book. And uh, (laughs) if you like this podcast, please subscribe to Made in the Trade and listen to our older episodes, too. They're out there. 